Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to The Who Pod. Today, I'm going to be joined by the special guest who's never been on The Who Pod before, and that is George, aka Pickle, Pickles Parker Reviews. Yep, you've got it right. Hello, everyone. Um... Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's kind of weird doing this because I'm used to being the host on yeah. my podcast, so I've never actually it, it is been on another podcast. Either, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of kind of odd, really, just relying on you to do everything. But um, yeah, hello everyone. Um, yes, uh, obviously George's links will be in the description. You should definitely go and check him out. He's very underrated, I think. <laughs> you know. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> he knows exactly. You know exactly what I mean. I <laughs> do. Something I need to point out before we start is that obviously you've got um, a smoke alarm that keeps going off in the background that yes. you are deafened to that you don't know it happens. But I will try. Uh, to I do. I notice it sometimes, but um, n- not always. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna yeah. try to remove it as much as I can. Um, but the likelihood is that it will definitely show up a, a couple of times. So um, you've been warned. I suppose <laughs> there it was. <laughs> it just went right on cue that time. <laughs> Right. Okay. It's weird, but I don't know whether it's just that I've got a headset on, but I did not hear that. That that is scary. I, you kind of get used literally to just it. out there. So, I mean, yeah, I have a, I've got a fish tank, which makes quite a bit of noise. Obviously, it's unplugged mm. at the minute. It's alright. I do plug it in afterwards. Um, but for maybe about an hour, the next hour, it's going to be unplugged, and you kind of get this real emptiness. Like when mm. I was sitting here waiting, um, there was this real emptiness because there was nothing no background noise and i'm i have like mild uh tinnitus like sometimes so that is a, a very weird thing that i have in my room um but you do forget it's there you know i sleep there yeah. again. i sleep with it well it, you know with the fish tank on and uh, i suppose you just get yeah, used to it you probably should change the batteries though in your smoke alarm yeah i asked probably my, what um, it needs. yeah i think it's batteries i think it's a number of things i, I don't really know what's going on get with it to be fair yeah i, I asked <laughs> My parents and they say they sort it out you know conveniently it hasn't happened uh yep. yet but you, you know regardless um but but yeah it's it's weird i do feel like i've i'm, I'm i just yeah no, don't notice it which is which is kind of scary but you know regardless I mean, it's just there, so hopefully you will notice if there's an actual fire <laughs> yeah hopefully <laughs> maybe not jesus <laughs> yeah anyways just be warned everyone um you may hear a a, a sinister beeping. Um, a sinister but, uh, beep. It, yeah, it's. Yeah, I thought we could nothing like, out of the ordinary. Relate it to something Doctor Who related, but I realised yeah, that uh, there's not really that there. Is I mean, call it. R2-D2. Yeah, I was thinking it, thinking in my head like to make a, a joke out of that, but um, yeah, I, I can't really think of anything. I guess it could probably. I think the problem is, is imagine a sinister beep could apply to so many things in Doctor Who. That it's just hard to just think of one instantly. Yeah, I guess. But (laughs) well, I probably should say what the actual title. um, It's about smoke alarms, everyone. We're talking about the best way to keep your smoke alarm fully charged and ready for all podcast recording abilities. Um, Mm. But today we're actually going to be talking about Series Twelve because it's Series Twelve's anniversary uh, this month. Um, Where has the time gone? I know. I mean, everything went crap uh, when Series 12. Pretty much. Think about how far we've come since then. Obviously, I didn't oh, know any Jesus. of you uh, back in March last year. Um, but today we're going to be talking about our improvements we would make to Doctor Who Series 12 in order to improve it. Because for me, I think that there's an awful lot of promise and there's some really great 
stuff mm. in there, but it does get bogged down with a lot of stuff that, you know, it's, I don't think some of it needs mentioning, like, you know, the way Jodiacs and stuff like that is always saturated and, you know, the Timeless Children, which is currently partly unexplained and all that kind of things. So yeah. it's, the, there's obviously the obvious things that you can talk about, um, mm. but the first one I've written down, and obviously you've got your own notes, we will get to throughout this, um, is the marketing. Is the first thing I've written down. Interesting, yeah. And by that, I didn't mean like um, you know the build-up and everything. I mean sort of the mid-series marketing. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So you've got the the Twitter posts that happened. I think they were Twitter that happened twice during mm. the show's run, and the show ran for nine weeks, which means that I think I did a video on this at one point. Um, that that we got like one every like two episodes something like one every like four episodes or three episodes um as it worked out to be which is very annoying um and those comments were things like you don't want to miss this one this Uh, one's important (laughs) you gotta you gotta bleed and watch this one and of course that episode was orphan 55 um Which was annoying because it came just mm. after the whole Spyfall thing and the whole Gallifrey's yeah. destroyed. Um, and then they went and bloody brought out Orphan 55. And I think that that was a more of a betrayal, that one, that they I felt quite betrayed. Uh, and I was, they did the same with uh, episode five with Jack returning. And yeah. I think that the biggest issue, I was, I'll let you talk about your opinions on it in a minute, <laughs> um, but uh, the whole idea of doing three episodes to the finale i think really weakened those middle episodes you know yeah. like the finale's approaching kind of thing all that kind of uh, angle i think was awful because it one made the finale more pressurized and it meant that it had to be good and because it's been promised to us that it, it would be good and epic and not just for mm. one week or two weeks like when while the finale's happening but the build up from like episode five onwards since jack arrived or since jack appeared um, there was always that thing uh, that there was this big epic thing that was going to happen um, in the finale. And a lot of people thought that was um, Jack. And I think that that's made a lot of letdowns. There was also a, a mid-series trailer as well, just after that Jack episode as well, mm. which I think led yes. into the worst episodes of the series, to be honest, mm. with Praxius. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, certainly. I, I'd agree with you. I think that the marketing as a whole was was just really bad. Like from obviously, but before the series aired, where there was just like nothing mm-hmm. there, you wouldn't have known the series was on. Yeah. And then obviously, as as you said, throughout throughout the series, it was just. I think it, it just really made the series feel pretty inconsequential because it was like, oh yeah, who cares about these episodes? The only yeah, episode it's... you're really interested in is is, is the finale, mm. and yeah, it just kind of makes all of like the filler episodes in inverted commas like kind of feel irrelevant it's like they pointed out that they were filler directly like yeah which is just don't watch these ones yeah (laughs) it's not only like a really weird like strategy to try and market it but also i think that in other series for example some of the quote-unquote filler episodes have ended up being like some of the best episodes of those series like the the stories that don't have anything to do with the arc like i think of like Series four, Science in the Library, Forest of the Dead has nothing to do with the arc. You could technically call it filler, but it's one of the best episodes of the series. Something like um, Series five, for example, something like Amy's Choice or Vincent yeah, and the Amy's Doctor. Amy's Choice is like my favorite episode of uh, Series five. Exactly, and like something like Vincent and the Doctor as well. Those two episodes, some of the best of Series five, they're nothing to do with the arc really. So ultimately, like you get like gems in in like within a series and i feel like yeah. just technically trying to like take away attention from those i think it also kind of really exposes i think obviously i know christian wasn't involved with the marketing but i think it really kind of exposes just like the thought process towards the series where it was just like all in like very heavy or, or on the arc which is what they were yeah. really interested in and it feels like all the the other stories like no one really cared about and especially you get certain stories um, well, this is one of my points. I, I don't know whether to lean into it here or to maybe cover it later. But um, one of my issues um, was that um, Chibnall's co-written stories. Um, I think all of them 
I, I think the problem is with Chibnall's Chibnall's co-written stories is that, that it's very blatant to see which parts are written by Chibnall and which parts are written yeah. by other writers. But you think Fugitive of the Judoon, you know, hmm, I wonder which part is Vinnie Patel and which part is Chris Chibnall. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the problem is, is it feels like some of the, um, like, disposable episodes, there wasn't much attention paid to them. And then also... Even some of them, Chris Chibnall just like completely wrote in to tie it into the arc in a major way anyway, kind of taking away. So I think there was like a big mistreatment of some of those filler episodes. But also um, just, yeah, just the marketing in general. I think I remember the marketing surrounding Haunting of Idiodati was particularly bad because um, I remember, because obviously because of the we knew the Sidemen were going to be in the finale. Yeah. And obviously there's the whole Mary Shelley big finish thing. So I think people kind of expected, you know, Sidemen to appear in Haunting of Id. I mean, it was still up in the air. It was almost like, it was everything but confirmed. I mean, people were like talking about it like it was happening, but there was no official word that it was. Um, And that whole thing that you were talking about, about the the mistreatment of arcs and stuff is something that I actually wrote down in my list for later. Um, Yeah, so did I. Yeah, you're you're right with um, the idea of um, sort of mistreatment of marketing with the idea that, I mean, if you remember, this was a long time ago um, now, but if I think it went from 2019, so obviously there's no series that year. Yeah. and I'm pretty sure that the we had in May time the Jadoon reveal that there was Jadoon oh, yeah, in the episode, yeah, yeah. and then it went from Jadoon to nothing to like I think there was like and then sort of beginning in November just like trailer like there was like two trailers like a week after each other, which is a very mm. yeah, very strange way of you know going about it. I think that. Everything, there's a lot of stuff with Doctor Who and well, any TV show is to do with the mood that it's set by. Like you could say, you know, you're just talking about the marketing. It's not really about the show itself, but I think that it is in the aspect that it puts you in the mindset. And, you know, it, for example, this is a band, right? It, a bit uh, uh, you know, of something else, but uh, WandaVision is all about people are talking about theory after theory after theory, and I think that it's made it one very much like very interesting for me to sit and watch each week because you get the next piece mm. of the puzzle, which is I think is what they wanted with WandaVision. But yeah. then at the same time, I'm thinking some of these theories are probably much cooler than we're actually gonna get. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like people were throwing theories. around tons of stuff. Like people are throwing mm. around magnetos and um Wolverines uh, and that. like X Men universe, like all of the X Men coming through. Just ridiculous, yeah. like over the top stuff that they probably wouldn't do in a TV show. Um, with mm. only two episodes left at this point. Anyway, there's probably I don't know, it might be over at the point that I'm that the podcast comes out but um maybe you know maybe maybe the x-men did all walk out of a, a doctor strange portal um but i think that the show every show is based off how you feel at the time you know and i think that yeah. with the reveal of the cyber warriors if you remember that they revealed the cyber warriors i think the day or two days on the friday the friday afternoon they released a trailer which had a shot of the cyber warriors Mm. saying oh look the cybermen are coming and it's like well guys we're gonna see the episode in two days and it might have yeah. been well, it might have been villa diodati actually not um ascension but i mean at the same time it's like come on guys that you don't need to explain why that's not a good idea yeah, yeah. And I remember on, um, I'm pretty sure like five minutes before Haunting of Idiodati, I went out. I just thought, oh, I'll just check Twitter to see what people are thinking before the episode. I just see a tweet from the official Doctor Who Twitter that says, remember Jack's warning, and then a gif of him saying, beware the lone sideman. And I it's know. like, hmm, I wonder what's going to appear at the end of this Come episode. Guys. I know it's like it was pretty like we all thought anyway but like that just like why even make it like even like like why make it a twist when you pretty much told us like as basic as you could have done yeah that was was going to be in it like five minutes before the episode yeah it's really it's really bizarre Mm. and the thing is is that this series almost felt like it couldn't contain like 
its reveals. Like it was just almost like the people behind it were so excited to get all the information out. But ultimately, when you look at the series in retrospect, a lot of the stuff that all, all the exciting reveals, at least for me, aren't really all that exciting in hindsight. So it's, it's like I think there have been series with bigger and more exciting things I mean, um, still to be cool. hidden. They are That's cool. I mean, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, the master reveal at the beginning of at the end of spyfall part one was amazing the first time and Mm. the second time that i watched i thought this is still pretty cool yeah but you don't get the buzz from it but that goes for everything um yeah and to do with the spoilers and spoiling itself um i know that doctor who guide um alex actually Mm. had an issue um and you can i can speak on behalf of american fans but a different thing i'll do that in a second but um he said that he saw the jack reveal on Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. YouTube because like the day after uh, they yeah. shared it on YouTube or the, like just after the episode aired because there's a for some reason I don't know if this was always a thing but Doctor Who airs in the UK about eight hours before it airs in the US hmm. so Twitter goes crazy and as yeah, you know true. there's a lot of Doctor Who fans that are American and not necessarily yeah. from Britain so it means that they get all the spoilers because there's no holding back on even the BBC Twitter Twitters and YouTube accounts were posting the behind the scenes stuff the second the yeah. episode aired and in a world now where nothing is watched I mean apart from big fans that do reviews of it afterwards and um just casual viewers not many people you know, some of my friends didn't watch episodes of Doctor Who um, live. You know, you'd go to school and it'd be like, oh, we can't talk about the episode yet because so-and-so hasn't seen it. And that became yeah. a thing each week, um, especially with the Jack Reel. It took Thursday before we could talk about it properly. Um, and with that, you know, there was this huge disconnect. And I'm surprised that the BBC just weren't, or the marketing people that were behind all that Doctor Who stuff were noticing it like people binge shows i think now i hate the idea of binging it because i don't binge things because just you don't process it um and doctor is one of those things that you should be able to process um yeah, certainly. and with uh with doctor who and uh with its sort of american audiences and things like that you know why why are you spoiling your own show for people you know, nothing's mm. ever as good when you watch it secondhand, you know, after you've seen something before. Yeah, true. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, it's an issue. I think when I said like, um, oh, yeah, the, the reveals, like there are more exciting reveals in other series. What I meant by that mainly is that I don't think like even though some of the reveals in series 12 are cool, I don't think some of them are quite as exciting as they think they are. Like, for example, the master appearing at the end of Ascension of the Cybermen isn't yeah. as exciting as yeah, I that think was they not a great thought thing, it was. It? Yeah. Um, yeah, because they essentially, again, they essentially told us anyway by putting the Barrack Steamus thing, you know, out there. And, and yeah, everyone had already nice. figured it out. So, you know, it was, everyone knew that the master was going to, was going to appear and... Yeah, and like, for example, even like Captain Jack, everyone knew Captain Jack was going to be in Revolution of the Daleks, so, but yet they built it up as a, as a big deal, so yeah, big I don't trailer. think their reveals, yeah, are quite on Doctor Day, oh, after Christ, the rewatch yeah. and everything, and then what do you get? Seven seconds of footage. Yeah, still, I'm getting, still getting PTSD from um, that day now. But, That's something um, that we've already basically know, but yeah. hasn't been fully confirmed. Actually, what it was basically confirmed by the fans, because we saw him in the back of shots and things like that, it became obvious to us that he was in it. Um, mm. and, yet, and, yet, and yet they yeah. did it like we were so unaware he was coming back. Mm. I think the thing is, is a lot of people said that Chimu was a lot better of like holding things back than like Moffat was. And I thought so, but I'm not so sure that's true. I just think in series 11, there wasn't really anything to like spoil. So therefore he kept everything yeah. under wraps because what was the press going to take from that? But ultimately, like, 
I, you've got to series 12 and revolution of the Daleks. And I think it's really proved that ultimately Chibnall isn't really better than holding things back. You know, he's not better than Moffat was really. He, I mean, Chibnall kind of, he has that idea of the five year plan and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it feels like because a lot of people's criticisms with series 11 was that it wasn't epic and it wasn't arcful or it wasn't sort of, you know, you didn't have any big twists. He went and gave us like six. He was like, have this one and this one and that one and have it. And just, you know, he's like, I'm going to do the maximum of what people didn't like about series 11. I'm going to improve it, but I'm going to do the biggest that I can. I'm going to go over the top. So over the top that nothing has any meaning anymore. You know? Yeah. It does feel like he just like, just, uh, yeah, just threw everything at the wall and was seeing what stuck and not much Mm. really did. He he just chucks essentially everything into this series. And yeah, I think a lot of elements really, really suffered because of that. And I think you get a lot of elements that are just kind of in there really for shock value alone. Like yeah, a lot of stuff in series 12, like I'd say essentially everything infusive of the Jadun is purely there for like news headlines. Because <sighs> though, for example, the roof doctor, as much as I think she's really great, she didn't really need to be in series 12. Like she doesn't really set up anything. The, the timeless child comes across as well as it could have done, you know, without the roof doctor. So mm-hmm. she doesn't really need to be in there. And Captain Jack, yes, he appears in Revolution of the Daleks, but I, he yeah, did, it's not best, like he really... Yeah, the, the thing is, is that he doesn't really that have much of a rapport with the companion. So he could have just first appeared in Revolution of the Daleks. That's fine. He didn't need to appear in Fugitive of the Jadun either. So it feels like those two things, yeah, were just kind of in there. And the whole episode of Fugitive of the Jadun was just kind of there for like shock value alone. And none of it really feels substantial or really had much of an impact on the story. And I feel like also, for example, like the Cyberman finale just kind of clashes with the Timeless Child finale. And again, it felt like Christian was like, mm. oh, you didn't think Series 11 was epic enough? Well, just throw in a Cyberman battle and we go to Gallifrey and the Timeless Child and yep. none of it really comes together at all. But he just kind of did it anyway. And I think all of these story strands just kind of suffer because of it. Yeah, I, will, I have a video coming out next week and this is also beautifully put us on to our next point. Um, and that was my idea that maybe they should have just picked one and ran with it. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, so I actually listed a whole bunch of them here, but I think we've mentioned them um, during the course of the conversation we've had, but you know, the master and destroying of Gallifrey is a big, a big thing and they don't treat it much um, like it yeah, was anything true. really. Um, the other doctor, the lone Cybermen plus um, own stories between characters that they force in during, can you hear me uh, with yeah. the Yasmin Um Plus, uh, just companions in general, a doctor, you know, the whole uh, sort of grieving for Gallifrey again, um, a new master, uh, Jack, you know, that's a lot of stuff. And I think that it would have been better if they focused on just one of them or just maybe just like a couple. Like you have the hints of Jack and um, the lone Cyberman and get rid of the whole destroying of Gallifrey and uh, that kind of stuff. Because like you said, you know, the episode did kind of become a cool Cyberman episode and then went, oh, time is children now. We're, t- we're talking about the arc. Um, and yeah. I think it did, for me personally, I think it ruined that build-up to it. Like, um, I've also written down here that I'd like to see, I'd like to have seen episode eight be its own standalone episode because I think the idea of... Uh, Mary Shelley seeing Frankenstein, you could do an amazing, like they kind of did with the potential of it, with Ashad mm. and the kind of half Cyberman, half person, um, and the kind of composite of parts and all that kind of stuff. But it is is lovely and it's beautiful and really well, well um, constructed and all that kind of stuff. But then halfway through the episode, the episode changes its um, its narrative from being, you know, how are we going to keep Mary Shelley and you know Percy Shelley and all that away from the Cyberman, you know, what does the Cyberman want? And then it becomes, oh, look, it's the setup for the finale. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think that it's such a shame to me, and this would be a massive improvement that I would make, would that I would get that 
eighth episode as a standalone episode, possibly even earlier in the series, so that one, you've paced mm. out all of your reveals, because I think that, it, you know, this is a different point. Um, but, you know, the fact that it starts off with the master and then dips down for Orphan 55 and Nikola Tesla and then comes back up for Jack and then yeah. goes back down again um, and then comes back up. And it it's almost like they paced it so badly that you go from 100% to 0% in an episode um, yeah. without any conversation about like what they just saw. Like the doctor has just witnessed that she has like pasts that she doesn't know about and th- so many secrets on Gallifrey and then she's fighting a virus across the world. You know, yeah. it's, it's very anticlimactic and I think that it also makes praxis look worse than it is because i mean it's not terrible i just found that it was very deflating going from fugitive to that yeah certainly i think that's the issue with um both praxis and probably orphan 55 as well is that people think they're worse purely because of what they came off the back of like if i think the thing is yeah it's like with praxis it's because people were expecting or hoping for some of the stuff that wasn't really tied up in Fugitive to at least get a mention. Because it just doesn't get a mention, people are just like, oh. You know, everything yeah, else you watch is just just going to be underwhelming. And I think what you spoke about, like that kind of like mid-story subversion where the story's going along and then halfway through it just becomes a completely different story. I think yeah. that's the issue that a few stories in this series have. Like, Obviously, the biggest one is probably the finale of the Assigned Man story, then Psych, it's a Timeless Child story. But then I think, like you said, Haunting of yeah. the Diodati um, is like that. I'd argue Can You Hear Me is a bit like that. It's going along with its story, and then, then like, Psych, no, it's just some exposition dump about where these characters Psych. supposedly are. Fugitive of the Jadoon as well, it's just a Jadoon invasion of Gloucester, and then the second half is just, you know, two doctors going around and then probably to a lesser extent even spyfall is where it kind of becomes where it does it becomes all of a sudden a time hopping story in spyfall part two to defeat the master whereas in spyfall part one it's obviously a kind of bon pastiche about investigating this tech company and well i think out of all those episodes probably spyfall carries it off the best at least in my opinion in terms of its subversion i think it does pose an issue when none of these story elements seem to have time to breathe like they're just all kind of being yeah yeah definitely yeah just taken away and it almost feels like chris chibnall is like um a kid with a very short attention span that he's just kind of writing it and then he just gets bored he's like i'll just you know write something completely different and yeah sometimes i think a story subversion can work but i think the problem is is that when you keep on getting it and not all of the instances in series 12 are successful. It just makes you question why you're getting so invested in earlier parts of the stories, only for then to that, you know, completely be tossed out of the window when the story completely changes. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at it, there's no point in... Like, Fugitive is taken as many people's favourite episode of series 12. And that mm. is excellent. It's a good episode. It really is. Like, it was very enjoyable. And every time I've watched it, I've still liked it. It's very well written you know, for a children episode and the reveal is very cool and Jack's nice in it and things like that. But like you said, it is all very fan service based arc based um, reveals and it's less of a fun story and more of a, a setup episode, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's lost. It's sort of, so uh, I've been listening to the 10th doctor adventures, um, mm. like the volume thing that they did with Billy Piper and, Oh, yeah, uh, David yeah. Tennant, um, very very good box actually, and um, with that each one's an individual story, but they're very clever. You have like sort of multi layered um, episodes with sort of different messages and stuff like that, which are mm-hmm. very well done. Um, you know, episode one's got a lot of that kind of stuff, and so does um, episode three, and um, you know, episode three's got Ice Warriors as well, which is kind of cool. And yeah. I think it's a good that box, yeah. at the same time, Doctor Who Series Twelve could have done with a bit more of that sort of like because when i look at series 12 i don't think oh i'll just you know i'll just put on um spyfall or i'll just put on um ascension or like i'll just put on praxis or whatever because you kind of have to watch them as a full thing for me like it is 
almost like it's one big binge fest. There's no real, like you said, the filler episodes can be the best bits. And yet the filler episodes come off the back of some of the biggest episodes, uh, the rewriting of time, almost episodes. Yeah. And it sort of goes um, again. And it's dreadful uh, when that happens. So you kind of get disheartened to watch a lot of series 12. Um, but with, you know, series 11, um, you, you, at least it has that going for it, where each episode is alone and it's standalone in the aspect that it is good enough just for you to put one on. Like you can just put Clabam on easy. Um, and I think that with a lot of, you know, series 12, uh, series two and series four or whatever, you can easily just watch like Plant of the Ood or mm. you know things like that. with the there being just enough of an arc for it to sort of gel with the rest of the series but it stands alone enough for the episode to be enjoyable and i think that that's what i would i would do is make them singular in more of just their idea and the placement of where they are that week um and make the the actual story have a closure to it um, mm. So it, you get more from an each from each episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I noticed you actually said Clubam again. Oh, you were talking God's about. sake. <laughs> Right, I know. Um, I can't say ka- kabam, kabam. Uh, is it kabam? Uh, kabam is is that you've made me question how, how, I know. how the episode is is even said now? But I th- kablam, I, th- I think kablam, that's what it is. I think you, you, There's no L. So, so, so it, before the yeah. K, after the K, so it must be kabam. But um, yeah, carrying on from um, your point, those were the things I had um, written down was the arc to be better threaded throughout the series. So, yeah. like for example, my favourite series is Series 5, and I think one of the things that Series 5 does too well is that it threads the arc almost like perfectly throughout the series. So, like, the arc is in mm-hmm. many episodes, whether that's the crack or, like, character arcs, but I think one of the things that Series 5 does so cleverly is that ultimately it's not just oh here's a crack in a number of episodes across the series and then you'll find out what the hell that's about in the finale you slowly learn more information about it across the series so then in time of angels flesh and stone you learn that the crack erases people from time you didn't know that before and um yeah, I'm traveling in some other examples. I, I've completely forgotten my train of thought, but yeah, essentially then in um hungry earth cold blood you realize that um that that explode well essentially in time of injury slash and stone as i said you learn that the cracker raises people from time and that it was caused by an explosion then hungry earth cold blood you find out that that explosion was the tardis and then when you get to the pandorica opens then all of a sudden it's less of what the hell is going on with the kraken time and because you've slowly learned more about it across the series you have more knowledge about that and then the finale becomes infinitely more like fascinating and then also the arc is just like a lot more intriguing across the series as you're like almost drip fed information rather than just being told no information at all, which I think yeah. is what it does so well. You get to series 12, and I think, as you said, one of the issues is, at least for me, is that the arc is just, like, not really... It's not, like, fluid across the series. It's more of there are several episodes where the arc is present and then episodes where the arc is not, In rather than just the arc is kind of present, oh. you know, throughout, um, you know, which I think would work better for viewing. The episodes are like there are clear filler episodes and there are clear um, arc episodes, which I, I don't think really works in in the favor of the series. And also, I think the problem is why many people have said that um, the Timeless Children is just kind of like an info dump is because we're not really told anything about the Timeless Child across the series. So that's why the Timeless Children feel so exposition heavy. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you kind of threaded that information across a series, like something like 
series five or or you know like that where you yeah slowly but i, w- I wouldn't know how you do it though because the idea the idea is the doctor doesn't know anything unless the you know maybe this is not related to the series really but you know a kind of sort of season arc where the master's kind of leaving a little clues and things like that of where what things are and you know as she learns each segment but i think at the same time the series dicks around with a lot of stupid stuff like the whole brendan thing from episode uh, nine very strange very unneeded you know Mm. it becomes addedly more and more confusing you know ashad the idea of the lone cyberman is then just shrunk in timeless children yeah i mean i like timeless children i i've seen it quite a few times now and i can fully say i like it like i really i do like it and i think it is good uh, I mean, a lot of people don't, and I understand that. I understand that, you know, based on the arcs and everything like that. But with Timeless Children, it's one of those ones that I can just sort of su- shut off my brain and kind of just enjoy it for what it is and not think about it too much. Um, but obviously, I am currently writing about it um, for a video. But it's, you know, it throws lots of stuff, like you said, at the wall and hopes something sticks. Like you've got the Cybermasters throws that at the wall yeah. like we haven't meant there is so much stuff happening within this series that it's impossible for all of it to get the good payoff that it deserves you know the idea of cybermasters is good i think i i think that you know there's a lot of stuff that the cybermen do wrong within the episode like i hate how Asha just wants to be a robot like that's oh, his I thing. That. I just want to be that, a robot. Is, the thing is, that is no, so no, overlooked. Guys. No one speaks about I know. The, like the Cybermen in that story. But for yeah. me, the Cybermen in that episode is one of the worst parts about it because essentially, like the thing is, is that the Cybermen, mm-hmm. like the core part of the Cybermen, as everyone knows, is that they're partially converted yeah. humans. So you'd think a story where the Cybermen want to become. Ro- literal robots I know. would get the fandom in no uproar, one talks no one about talks it, about it. Ever. And th- th- this is something I noticed last time I watched the episode, which brought on the idea that, oh, in March, I'll make a video and I'll talk about the episode and I'll talk mm. about what's actually wrong with it beyond just the, the timeless children things that everyone talks about. Because I watched my review uh, last week in order f- to talk about it today. Um, I was just curious, mm. really, what I was thinking you know, like what I was thinking at the time. And a lot of my review, even though I tried it, tried not to be, was about the arc and kind of the the action of the Cybermen, but not really delving into the plot of them because they yeah. lose their plot completely. I mean, Ashad is one of the, is a lot of wasted potential. I think there's, if I had to sum up this series, it's wasted potential for most of it because there's yeah, just so much. much stuff that could have worked so coolly, uh, so well, um, and they just seem to not want to do it. They seem want to they want to be looking at this and then looking at this and then looking at that, um, and never go into any depth on anything. I think it's probably mm-hmm. it's probably worse than doing something badly. Is not is doing multiple things but not delivering. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I think that's why um, the timeless children. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing as well, is I find um, particularly some of the criticism or praise of, of Series 12, um, particularly the praise, often a bit weird. Like, I think that because everyone like kind of criticised Moffat, especially towards the end for a lot of his stories, but Chibnall is kind of doing the same thing, if, if not worse in terms of how it's like the series is constructed, I'd argue. But um, yeah. it's not really getting the same the same reception, which I, I guess it's kind of um, with, with. I think the thing is with series eleven because there, there were, it was so barren of anything, you know, interesting. People have almost accepted that they'd rather have kind of like this flawed arc than 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 nothing. Which yeah, uh, I think it's it's a bit odd, but yeah, I think I, think... I always give it benefit of a doubt more than i probably would to other series and i think that the only reason i do that is because there is a group of people that instead of just not liking the episode like it to such a degree that they want to see the show cancelled which it doesn't deserve to be cancelled on something so something like that it just it would have to be basically unwatchable like they would have to ruin Mm. every bit of it and the idea of the doctor and all of that 
works so well mm-hmm. alone that it doesn't need to keep like you don't you can go different ways and i think that Chibnall has a plan and the, the likelihood that what we need to do is hope that he knows what he's doing you know the cyber master thing you know that's probably going to come back and you know sometimes you look at things and think oh god like the filming of series 13 and they're like oh well we've got Sontarans now and weeping angels and it's like what but you're only doing eight episodes yeah so you you're going to do a Sontaran two-parter as everyone's talked about and then a Weeping Angel episode. Plus, you've probably got a lot of arc stuff to do. And to me, I think that, you know, it, with these rumours that we have, that they're still going, even though it was months ago that they started out, that, you know, with Jodie and everything like that, it's all become worse for her to stay. Because if she stays, you know, like, well, the idea of, you know, the whole three-series arc that they normally do in Doctor Who is that, you know, they do three series and they go that's surely in the mind of Chibnall in some way. That has to be, like, he must be thinking, yeah. oh, we better start writing our exit at this point because we might we, we want to, you know, come up with something that allows her to leave because, you know, you can't have, and this is what I would absolutely hate for her uh, run on the show, would be that they don't know what to do. Like, Chibnall doesn't know what to do with it to such an extent that he leaves things for the next Doctor. So, you know, if the Town of Children doesn't end, I don't want to see Jodie regenerate and then for it to continue into the next Doctor, which I think would be worse than just having her finish her stuff. You know, because I think that this is hers and it needs to end with her. You know, it can't continue. Yeah, I think we're in a kind of similar situation with um, the kind of Matt Smith silence arc that was obviously continuing throughout his run. Yeah. And Moffat wanting to do like have a whole series about it in series eight, and then obviously because Matt Smith didn't want to do series eight, he was kind of tasked with the question of do I carry it over with another doctor or do I just kind of tie it up in one episode? And obviously he went with the latter and created Tom and the Doctor. So it's in, it would be interesting to see if Jodie does leave, which obviously we don't know if she is going to leave, that if Chibnall decides to hurriedly wrap it up in this series this um you know limited yeah. episode count series or if he decides to carry over to another doctor i think because the series is so limited i'd probably want jody to stay on just because i think that the problem is is the amount of dangling threads that series 12 has that every everyone was kind of hoping would some of them would be tied up in revolution of the daleks none of not many of them really well, were no. so i mean you have jack so, and his promise but nothing else yeah you know no, nothing else it's every it's just got like loads of open ended uh, open ended questions open ended open ended what what am i yeah. going on about yeah open ended questions there we go um that ultimately they need to be tied up in some way um, and I just don't think you can do that in an eight-episode run where you've also got, no. as you said, Sontarans and Weeping Angels, and it wouldn't be done satisfyingly. And the thing is, is that despite I don't really like the Timeless Child, I'd at least, you know, like it to actually be like lead to something good. Like I, I don't want this to just be where it ends because. Yeah. The, I mean, there's the a thing, lot of cool yeah. stuff that comes from it for me because I think, well, you know, we have big finish that has such expanded media you know unbound doctors mm. and all that kind of stuff and it all of that and you know the idea that one the restriction of having the 12th regeneration limit um and you know they kind of did it with matt smith to kind of give him the 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 extra like the um the recycle you know the the next cycle um but i think after that like it's it's gonna get ridiculous if after every what like 10 years in i mean doctor who's going to continue on some form if it's not on uh tv i think you know if it's mm-hmm. going to continue on big finish or whatever i think it will just continue until you know the next group of fans come up and bring it back yeah. again um because there's so much talent with people you know right now like i see you know almost every week people have made their own series and all that kind of stuff i just think that it's bound to come back even if it if it gets cancelled um it won't do to be honest the likelihood of it getting cancelled is quite unlikely yeah uh, with the series that they've booked in i think they've booked up to series 14 or something like that in a minute um yeah they have i'm pretty sure it's definitely booked in till 60th i mean we've still definitely got a couple of years hmm. um i'm 
I'm expecting probably some hiatuses of you know a year or two, or whatever, uh, before we see yeah um, things getting resolved with Doctor Who's arcs and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm quite happy personally uh, to hope Chidden knows what he's doing and yeah. for him to carry on, even though that the stuff that he's done, you know, who are we? We're like just two kids that have watched Doctor Who. You yeah. know, I. I've done media studies, I suppose. Does that make me qualified? Probably not. <laughs> you know, but I've been watching it for such a long time. The fact that I notice the issues with what they've done with the Cybermen. Yeah. And mm. many other people as well. They're simply just fans of the show. We've noticed, yeah. you know, the Cybermen, they're screwed up. You've screwed yeah. the Cybermen with Ashad, which would so have been one up. of the coolest things you could do with the Cybermen. But at the same time, you know, it's like you had the right idea, but then you lost it. Um, and then you have the Cybermasters and Gallifrey getting destroyed again. And fans have seen Gallifrey return, you know, during the 50th and all that kind of stuff. And yet he's just destroyed it again. He's done nothing with it and just destroyed it just because. Yeah. And I think that's so suckish that just us two as fans of Doctor Who and many other people on the internet, just as fans of Doctor Who, have noticed that kind of stuff and yet Chibnall or somebody on the crew has not and doesn't notice that that exists and I find that quite disheartening you know I'm sure they're they're fans and everything but sometimes you question whether they're really doing the best that they can for there to be so many issues with series 12 you know even though I enjoy it for the most part and I like the series and I watch the series occasionally um I'm still not sold on the idea that they know what they're doing with it, which is hard to say. Maybe maybe Jodie's just not my taste of Doctor, and this run is just not my taste, which is, I think, fine. I mean, there are so many runs that I've enjoyed and stuff like that. I think it's, you know, it's bound to happen. You know, I was not a big fan of the first Doctor when I was younger. That didn't mean that I was shouting at people that it needs to be cancelled. Because I know that Doctor Who can always evolve and will get better and worse and everything. Mm. It just kind of comes with the show like this that lasts for so long is that it will have dips and it will have dives. But at the end of the day, the show is going to revert to what you like at some point. And I'm thinking that if somebody likes it, you know, when I see kids that sit there and they say, oh, I love series 12 and, you know, I really love Jodie Whittaker and I dress up like Jodie Whittaker and she's my inspiration, etc. You know, that was a bit cliche, but still Mm. all of that kind of stuff, I think is just, good that i think that's good and that's why i'm not completely against it i suppose and i feel also like i said before those that are against it are very much against it which means i f- i feel like i need to become more of a fan of the show's 12th series in order to defend it when i just think it's good but i come across yeah. as it as thinking it's like the best thing ever when it isn't and we all know that um you yeah. know it, it's not yes yeah, certainly i think i mean there's a big group of fans that love it and everything like that and that's up to them i suppose uh but i don't know about you but it's i i love to hate it i suppose i love to hate it like the flash Hmm. (laughs) yeah certainly and i often find myself almost because i mean i'm not even really that big a fan of this current era i often find myself almost like defending it because there's such a, a majority of people who kind of dislike it i wouldn't say for the wrong reasons but you know some kind of not very critical reasons shall yeah, we say yeah. without, yeah. without delving into it so i often find myself defending the series more than i really want to j- yeah. just b- because of that but um yeah talking about like what you're saying about the cybermen and stuff and how they're so screwed up i think bec- what you get with a lot of showrunners is um like you can quite clearly see what aspects of their story that they are very much interested in and what aspects that they almost just feel kind of that they have to do, but they're not really invested in. For example, I think with Moffat, it was the Dalek stories. You could see what he was invested in, but the Daleks were never, you know, an aspect that he was particularly interested in, which is why I think all of his Dalek stories aren't, you know, amazing. And I think it's the same with Chibnall with the the Cybermen. I think he kind of accidentally created... um, I think he kind of accidentally created a, uh, you know, something great with Ashad and stuff. But I feel like he ultimately only really, you know, included 
the Cybermen just because he kind of felt like he had to. And I think like what he was clearly interested in from the beginning was obviously the Timeless Child. Yeah. But I think the problem is, is when you get stuff like that, ultimately, yeah, you can't sell the arc to people. You can't sell the arc exactly. I think ultimately also parts of your writing just suffers and, yeah, if you didn't want to include something, just don't include it. You know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, try and write something, but your heart's not really in it. Or, you know, try and write something and then just, you know, do a complete, you know, 180 to something that you actually are interested in. You know, I, I think Chris Chibnall should just construct his arcs just more, more consistently, I think, because... I looked and a lot of my criticisms for um, series 12 that I wrote down stuff we said about like the arc being threaded throughout um, the, the s- mid story subversions, the, the Chibnall co-writes, even some stuff that we, we're not going to have time to talk about, like Jodie's character, the companions, all of it kind of boils down to consistency and the fact that the series ultimately isn't all that consistent. And I think that that may come from Chris Chibnall having not really ever yeah. tackled an arc like this before. I mean, but you're I very feel welcome like, to, con- yeah. to talk about the companions and stuff like that if you wish to. I mean, we can briefly talk about them in, you know, a couple of sentences. Um, so Yasmin, I will go with her first, shall we? Hmm. I mean... I kind of see what they did with her and I think that she's going to get better because I think she was good in Revolution. It's like the first time I thought, eh, she's not a bad character. And I think that overall Revolution was like the first episode that I went, actually, I am like this TARDIS team a bit more than I thought I did yeah. um, due to their leaving. Um, but I think throughout Series 12, there is a real disconnect between the audience and the companion um, mm-hmm. because they're not given much to do individually i mean they get moments i mean spyfall for example things like that yeah but they don't have you know like martha rose has an episode when they really shine and i'm afraid none of them really had that i mean yasmin had you know a couple of moments when she did that like she really you know she kind of got close to that point when i thought hey this is Mm -hmm. you know cool like him in thomas children when she's like you know i'm not leaving you doctor I'm, i'm coming with you um yeah but that's well. That's how, that's how I feel about the, the the companions. I mean, Graham and Ryan. You know, I love Graham. I think he's perfect comic relief at times. But mm-hmm. I think that and Brady Walsh is excellent. But I just think sometimes they just don't know what to do with them, and they don't know what to do with Ryan either. You know, the fact that yeah. we make. You know, if you look at series twelve and you think of all the memes that have come out of it, you know, like my friends and I, uh, when we, you know, we shout, uh, got chip store. So in oh, yeah, the middle yeah, yeah. of school, we would literally say to each other, got chips thought no one uh, understood what you're we talking about. I wish, we I did wish it anyway. my school was that fun. <laughs> um, it, but... it was weird more than anything. Um, yeah, true. But we, you know, we would say that to each other. And it was kind of like, it was only three of us. I just want to put it. It wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like the whole class. It was just three of us that would say it to each other when we saw each other um, mm-hmm. in like the corridor and things. And very very cool moments um like not very cool moments moments like that are the things you know the benny thing which you know yeah. to this day it's still a joke about benny uh, and the meme of it and all that kind of stuff i'm thinking take yourself a little bit more seriously as well because i think that with good characters if you take them seriously you play them seriously people are gonna like them more i think that you know, when I look at Orphan 55, I think of Benny and I think, oh God, it's the meme one. And I don't find memes particularly funny when you've seen them a thousand times on Twitter since last March. So, you know, and uh, when you look at, you know, Thea and Love and Monsters, stuff like that, they kind of have the same reput- representation. Uh, rep- what? Rep. 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 Reputation. Reputation. Yeah. We both can't speak yeah. in this, in this no. podcast. They both have the same reputation, and I think mm. that that's uh, damaging, especially when they treat the characters with such lightness. I mean, the first time I watched it, I went, God, she says Benny a lot, doesn't she? I mean, can she yeah. do anything else? It feels almost intentional that that's where they were going with it, you know, for it to become the meme. And Well, yeah, it, oh, uh, I feel like a, a lot of um, Chippenham's Doctor is kind of like that, how do you do fellow kids kind of thing with the the amount of like real world references the doctor says um like the the amount of things that she just references 
um it, yeah. it does feel like you know what what do what do kids say these days and the middle-aged board executive is like well, well kids say um fam a lot don't they and they're like right we'll put it in every single yeah. script and make the dog to feel really cool and it just does the exact opposite but um is you know when they treat such things as a joke like the relationship between the characters becomes forced when it treats as a joke and i think that that is just a horrible way to go around characterization for me Mm, certainly yeah Yeah. and i think um yeah my my biggest problem with the companions really is it kind of revolves around can you hear me like with can you hear me it just feels like it's just a lot of stuff that just come out of nowhere in, in that story like um yaz's depression ryan one like having friends now like since when and obviously graham's cancer although that is more established but these like ryan and yaz those aspects just kind of come out of nowhere and it feels like a bit too little too late so i think like those should have been threaded throughout a this series or even throughout both series you know especially with ryan that whole aspect of his friends becomes a key aspect of his departure and revolution of the daleks so why not hint at it a bit more in series yeah and maybe even in revolution uh, Revol- uh what revolution of the daleks hinted it a bit more show it instead of actually just saying that he has it because it makes his uh, leaving weak doesn't it so mm. sorry can yeah, i just saw your thunder there didn't i <laughs> start your point <laughs> no nah, no nah, so it is yeah i agree with you yeah exactly like these aspects should be threaded throughout the series more like they shouldn't just kind of mm. be dumped in in one episode and it almost feels like with a lot of it, it almost feels like chimney just kind of making it up as he goes along uh, with, with a lot of it yeah and i think like the same like thing extends to the doctor where in some episodes she feels like a much more darker mysterious doctor who's you know trying to look after, uh, go after the master and is still dealing with grief from gallifrey being blown up and in other episodes she's just like oh i'm the bubbly quirky doctor from series 11 and that is very jarring when you go from episode to episode i think uh actual uh more consistent characterization for the doctor would have greatly benefited her throughout series 12 because i think there was certainly an improvement in her characterization in 12 but i just think that ultimately that that consistency was just kind of needed because it, it is a bit jarring where you get fugitive of the jadoon and she's all of a sudden this darker mysterious doctor who's hiding things from the companions and trying to look um for the master despite that not being hinted at at all in orphan 55 and nicola tesla's night of terror so i think yeah as i said before i think a lot of my issues are just down to consistency it tries to do too much at once and ultimately the series just ends up being jumbled and i think if it was just um yeah if they just take took a quick look at the series before and just you know swap things around and yeah just just kind of made it flow a bit more and kind of evened everything out i think we'd have yeah not a great series but i think a lot of it would would certainly be improved but you know the series 12 that we got was just kind of a hodgepodge mess of different ideas and while it's certainly not without its merits i think there's certainly very good aspects of series 12 i think ultimately it's nowhere near as good as it as it could have done as it could have been and um yeah that's a real shame but um as you said hopefully you know chibnall can kind of learn from his mistakes and Chibnall improved upon series 11 with series 12 so certainly I think Chris Chibnall will probably improve upon series 12 with series 13 hopefully anyway yes hopefully well we can we can only hope can't we um certainly. have you got anything else to mention or no, are we ready I, to wrap up I think I've got, very well, covered everything um, I mean I think we covered my list in about five minutes <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um and covered every point at once uh it's fine but um, so I better start wrapping up then. Right. So this always takes me a little while because um, English. Um, so hopefully you did enjoy this podcast. Obviously, George's links will be down in the description. You should definitely go Thank and you. check him out. From what I've seen from my YouTube notifications, you've just posted a video while we were recording. I, I have, yes. Which is impressive. Um I had it scheduled. I, w- I wasn't like um, multitasking, <laughs> speaking to you while with the other hand, just, you know, uploading it. Um, but, um, Done yeah, that I before. <laughs> a couple of months ago, it was New Year's Day and I was record- I was uploading the review on my laptop next to me while recording the podcast as well. It was very, very surreal, I suppose, because I was trying to do both. It was strange. Um <laughs> But obviously, your links will be down in the description. You should definitely Thank go and you. check him out. He's very underrated. What can I say? <laughs> um, 
and he deserves uh, more subscribers. Um, in terms of me and my podcast, um, you know, myself, um, obviously my links are also down in the description below, which you should definitely check out. I should also put a link to the video talking about the Timeless Children, the one that I keep mentioning throughout this podcast. Um, I should be putting that down in the, li- in the link, link? It down in the description below, uh, which is very lovely, <laughs> which is uh, great. And then I will have uh, the link tree if you're listening to this on YouTube or you're listening to this on one platform and wish to switch. I don't know why. Um, you can click on the link tree, which is down in the description, and there you can find the podcast on a whole bunch of platforms. I'm going to try and name them again. Okay, so YouTube, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Deezer, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Podchaser, to name a few. Um, but anyway, that is uh, this month. Next month, God knows what we're going to do. It's coming into April now, which is insane. Then it doesn't feel like that long ago since we were talking about Revolution of the Daleks back on... The, uh, January 1st for the podcast but here we go again um, but anyway there's nothing further ado nothing to say what I'm going to start that sentence <laughs> there's a, I will literally cut this sentence out there is absolutely nothing else to say uh, but thank you very much for watching and uh, we shall see you soon goodbye bye everyone <laughs>